And then, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And again, a special welcome to those who may not worship with us regularly and to give you an introduction into what we're doing. I thank God for the people of this church and their foresight with technology that this is an easy possibility for us. We didn't have to shell anything extra out of pocket to be able to be able to bring the church to everybody's respective homes. We were just able to do this, so I thank God for that. But I also thank God for what we are pushing ourselves to do in this Lenten season. We're going through a book called The Red Letter Challenge, which uh, is focusing on um, how we walk as children of God, and then actually challenging us to follow it more fully and more clearly and explicitly and expressively and however you want to put it. And it's called the Red Letter Challenge because we're trying to follow the words of Jesus, which in many uh, Bibles are red. But this is an absolutely wonderful series that we've been able to go through, and I've been hearing a lot of people challenging themselves and pushing themselves to be better, to be different, to not keep going back into those same ruts, and it's such a joy to hear. Um, now, on the weekends, what we have been doing is we've been kind of going through an introduction into each week so that we can have a nice foundation. But in these midweek services, I kind of reserve that for something that I think might be more challenging or is personally the most challenging thing. Now, what I really love about this, uh, this Red Letter Challenge is really how things flow. I've personally done this challenge. This will be my third time that I'm going through it. And, and I love, every time I read it, how well things flow together, that it begins with this week of being and how we acknowledge who we are in God, who, especially who God has made us to be. We look to the waters of baptism knowing for certain that this is one of the places where God has made us his child. But we also reflect on how we live as that child. What do we do? And that's where we look at how we worship, how we pray, how we read scripture, all those sorts of things. But that flows into what we looked at the following week, which was all about forgiveness. And really, our whole being in God is because of forgiveness. But we also stop to take a serious look at what sin does, but we also take a serious look at what God does in response to sin, how he gives in response to sin. Something we wouldn't really expect. We would expect to be thrown away as people who have rebelled, who have, are, are just broken because of our sins. But God gives and serves. And that actually leads us into that third week, which was the week of service, where we focus on our, how, we, how we go out and serve, how we lift up one another, how we seek people to serve and to care for them, who God has made us to be, knowing how we have been forgiven, pushes us and changes us to seek and love and serve in some crazy ways. And then finally, that service also reflects on our giving. That's the fourth week that we're in right now, where we're reflecting on how our service looks when it is us giving. The biggest part of the challenge, though, with this is to truly reflect who God has made us to be. 
And as we look at this week of giving, we see how generous our God is. In response to sin, again, as I said, God could have just walked away, could have started anew. But yet, what he has done is he has been generous to us. Now, I must uh, interrupt myself and apologize. Todd, I am on uh, slide three now. I'm not keeping track. You see, I'm trying to do things differently to include pictures, but I'm supposed to be giving him a signal, and I'm just getting fired up and not even thinking about it. So we're on the third slide now, Todd, where we're reflecting on the tithe. Because this is a huge part of giving. This is a huge part of our worship as Christians is the tithe. And honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with the tithe. Because really, it's, it's gospel grace that I am able to give, that I have been given so generously to that I might just give and give and give, and I know it's going to just come back to me. But yet, there's that rebellious heart inside of me. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like those law requirements that you have to give 10%. So for me, when I say these midweeks are the things that I think might be more challenging for us, this is one of the midweeks that's especially challenging for me is this tithe. So let's look more closely at the tithe. Tithe is simply just an old English word that means a tenth, right? But as we look at this, it is specifically the tenth that we are to give. Is how we use it in Scripture. But going all the way back to Genesis, we see Abraham rescuing Lot in Genesis 14, and then he is met by Melchizedek, king of Salem, who is this unique and very special figure in Scripture, but unfortunately we have to reserve that for another time. But the thing that I want to focus on is after being blessed by Melchizedek, Abraham gives a tenth of everything he has to Melchizedek. Turning a little bit later in Genesis, we look at Jacob. We have his famous vision of Jacob's ladder. After he has that vision, he speaks to God and makes a promise that he will give a tenth to God. You know, my rebellious heart doesn't like hearing, yet you have to do this, you have to do this. And so it's actually very helpful for us to stop and go back to the very beginning where we see that the first mentions of a tithe is not mandatory. It's an expression of joy because these guys have received blessings. The tithe is an expression of joy. But for Israel, they were given all these laws and all these rules. And it's not because they were especially rebellious or more rebellious than anybody else, but because they were God's people. And so they were supposed to be different and special, especially from all other nations. They were to be this kingdom of priests, this holy people set apart for God. And what was especially important about their laws was how they were to care for people in need. That's a big part of the tithe. Where does the money go? Where do the gifts go? Because for Israel, the, the tithing and the gifts, they went, number one, to the Levites. The Levites were people who were promised a piece of the Holy Land, but they actually don't get a physical piece of the land. They get the tithe, as they are called to serve as the priests. But also remember, going all the way back to that story of Ruth, when Ruth and Naomi 
are suffering from a famine, they're in the fields and they're, they're picking food for themselves. This is from a portion of the field that is reserved as a tithe for those who are in need. This is the purpose of so many of these laws for Israel were for them to separate themselves from all these other very pagan nations who didn't worship God, but also for them to establish themselves as a kingdom of generous, loving, serving, forgiving people. That's what all these laws were for. But when we look at books like Malachi, right, we start off in Malachi chapter 3 today and we hear that they are robbing God. We look at books like Malachi and all these other prophets and their, their language that they use with all of the people of Israel is so stark and quite mean, awful, terrifying language. It's hard to read because it's all just so condemning. But it's because they're not living as God has called them to live. He has called them to be separate and different and special, his holy people, but they're just like everybody else. They're going their own ways, they're going after other gods, they're supposed to be caring for the poor, the widowed, the neglected, the orphan, the sick, the needy, anyone who is in need, they are supposed to be caring for, but yet what we read in all the prophets is that they're not. They're not doing it. They are they're growing fat off of their own, own things. They're robbing God because God is taking all of these gifts and giving them all of these gifts and they are just using it for whatever they want. They're not living as God's people. But yet not being God's people is exactly why we have received Jesus. Sin has separated us, sin has cursed us, has ruined us, has broken us, but Christ has saved us. We live selfishly. The world tells us that what is mine is mine, this is mine over here, you don't touch my stuff. Sin causes us to close off. But again, this is why we have received Jesus. This is why he suffers. This is why he dies. This is why he rises. This is why he ascends. This is why he reigns. It's because these people of Israel couldn't do it. So God did it for us. When we were not generous, he generously gave to us. And now, flowing from that, we live. We live as God's redeemed and forgiven people, being made new, forgiving as we have been forgiven, serving as we have been served, giving as it has been given to us as well. We live in the struggle, though, of being split between two worlds, between this world of, between living as people of the world or living as people of grace. When we live as people of the world, we live selfishly. What's, again, it's that same mentality. What's mine is mine. Other people don't matter. I am the one who matters the most. This is the, the philosophy of the world. This is what matters to them the most. It's me and my stuff. 
and my family and my money. That's the way of the world. Generosity is not my job. It's for those charitable people. Yeah, sure, I have all this extra money coming in. Yeah, sure, I have everything I could ever need and more. But I don't have to be charitable. That's the way of the world. The ways of God are very different. The way of grace is extraordinarily different. And this is what Paul is saying to the Corinthians today. In 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians, Paul is calling out these Corinthians for living as people of the world. They're allowing their sin to continue. They're they're using their freedom to sin. They are living selfishly. They are not together as God's people. And at this time, when Paul is writing this letter, there's a famine in Jerusalem, and they are not giving to the people in need. And Paul, like the prophets of old, is calling them out for it. You're not giving. You're being selfish. He's calling them to live this high standard. But notice all the joy that seems to flow from his words. But yet it's that stark reality that what you reap or what you sow is what you reap. If you barely put anything in, you're barely going to get anything out. And this generosity that flows from us, I just look at verse 13. People will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel. That flows right into what we're doing with this this 40-day challenge where we're forcing and pushing ourselves to submit more fully to God, to submit more fully to that confession of the gospel of Christ in our being, in our forgiving, our serving, our giving. And this proclaims the gospel. Even tithing proclaims the gospel. And then turning over to Jesus, though, it seems like he's saying something opposite, right? We have Paul saying that everybody has to give as everybody has decided in their hearts. And then we have Jesus and Malachi who, with this really strict language, are saying, you're being hypocritical. But that's where, again, I turn to Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.13. People glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. See, these people aren't doing that. They are like whitewashed tombs, as Jesus says. Fine looking on the outside, but they're full of dead people on the inside. They're not living as they're supposed to live. They are not being the people of God. And so Jesus is calling them out with some very serious words, you hypocrite. You're giving, they're giving the tithe, but they're neglecting to be full of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's all of it. It's not a good work for us to give the tithe. It is just another step in the walk of faith. So what do we do? Right? Which way do we go? Do we have to give the tithe? Do we not have to give the tithe? How do we live? How do we live this new life we've been given? How do we be, forgive, serve, and give? Well, what came to mind as I was trying to figure out online learning for catechism was the three uses of the law. 
If you remember catechism, you might have memorized it. Some people might be suffering from uh, post-traumatic catechesis disorder, if you want to call it that, where you had to go through all of these things. But we have the three uses of the law. The first use is the curb, second is the mirror, and third is the guide. The first one, we know that murder is wrong. Everybody knows that murder is wrong. The law is written on our hearts, and it curbs us away from doing wrong. But the mirror is where the law shows us our sin, shows us where we have done wrong. When I look at the law to give the tithe, it is a mirror to me, showing me that I have not been as generous as I need to be. And so I need to confess my sin to God. But the third one that we need to remember to live in and do is the guide. Because we're not following the law to be righteous. We're following the law because we are righteous. With the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are made into God's righteous, holy, wonderful people. This is what God has chosen to do. His generosity, His giving, this is what it looks like. And now as we live, we follow the law as an expression of God's people. Going out of our way to follow the law and do things like tithing, doing things like being full of justice, being merciful, being faithful, not being hypocritical, pushing ourselves away from those old things. And what's very important is that as we're looking at this, if you're not tithing or not doing something like this, it doesn't mean that you have a poor or a bad relationship with God. It just means that you're still growing. You're not there yet. This is definitely where, where I have had to push myself. I have not been there yet. It's, I've struggled with money for so long in my own life that it's hard for me to just let go of it. I want to pile it up for that rainy day that might never come. But now my challenge is to let go and let God be in charge. This is your challenge too. Because if you aren't tithing, you should start. Start at 10%. Go all in. Do it. Rachel and I had a conversation about this a couple months ago. We just started at 10%. And let me tell you, nothing's changed. I haven't been stressed out about money. We have everything we need. And I'm giving as I'm supposed to give. Todd, we should be on the last slide by now. But I want you to especially see how God responds when we live as he has called us to live. Especially as we look at this week of giving to live as generous people. How does God respond? I will bless you. I will open the heavens and pour out all of the treasures of heaven upon you. As you walk as my child, you will be blessed. As we are promised here in Malachi, as we hear in 2 Corinthians, it preaches the gospel. It shows this trust. This this is what we are supposed to do. And God will bless us as we walk as his children. Whether through, through suffering, through joy, through anything, we will be blessed with everything we need in this life. Because he is generous. 
He generously gave us his life. He loves to give. He gives us everything we need to, to our daily bread as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Everything we need. And this is just another place where he is joyful to give. So let us then be a reflection of him and reflect that generosity to the world around us. Amen. Amen. Amen.